enjoying wine. It's a red blend. My name is Adam. Oh, that's Adam. <laughs> I'm Tara. I feel like you should just know who we are if I say we're enjoying a red I blend. I know, but we were said we were going to do this I know, but I same had way a red time. blend in my mouth and it was delicious. Well, I have a rosé in my mouth, so I'm rosé and you're red blend. Red blend doesn't get to the top four of RuPaul's Drag Race season 13, though. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Well, that was what? I don't know. A few months ago? If I just spoiled you, I apologize. But there have been four seasons of Drag Race <laughs> since then because they're cranking those yeah, out okay. more than the Weasleys cranked out babies. Basic snitches, guys. Today we're doing chapter six. The noble. And most ancient. House of Black. Black. In Order of the Phoenix, book five. That's the book that we're on this season. We are in season five. So yeah, in case you thought we were in a different book, that's not how this works. I am drinking rosé. I'm way ahead of Tara. I just finished the red blend. Yeah. some rosé. Here we go. Here we go. There's our jingle right there. We're the classiest bitches. Sometimes. Uh, Yeah, we have our moments. Before we continue to class it up, though, let's acknowledge our Patreons. Nisi, Mary Beth, Brittany, Olivia, and new this episode, Ashley. Welcome, and thank you guys so much again. As a reminder, before I proceed to probably mention it about 10 times in this episode, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash basic snitches for exclusive content every week, and we will acknowledge you in every single one of our episodes. Do you want me to guess? Go for it. Okay, I'm going to guess that the winner is Lupin. Okay, who do you think the loser is? Ooh. I'm just going to say Mendungus Fletcher. Well, you were correct on both of those. Yes! See, I am getting so good at this. So I almost gave the win to Tonks. Oh, I love that too. Just because I love Tonks, but really, I got to give it to Lupin. Like, there's no way I cannot give it to Lupin. He is fucking fantastic in the chapter. Voice of reason, baby. Voice of reason. Listen, that is usually me. So that's like giving myself the win. That's right. I said it. No, 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 no. You said in the last episode that you were Tonks. I know. That does not mean that I'm not also the voice of reason. I'm Lupin. Not the voice of reason. Because Why am I not the voice of reason? Because I'm here. and I'm, You are not the voice of you reason. You have either. literally, there are recordings of you being like, you are the most diplomatic person I know. That's me saying that to you, but more people have told me that I'm the most diplomatic person they know. I disagree. I don't believe that at first. Why? Who? Who has said that? But people in my them. career. I don't know them. Are you discounting my point of view? Are you discounting? You've told me I'm the most diplomatic person you know. Well, you discounting my point of view and the statements of others and claiming something without proof is not very diplomatic at all. So I redact my previous comments. This is not an argument podcast. I'm not Molly Weasley and you are not Sirius Black. Continue. If I could look as hot as either of them in that scene, though. I'm Molly Weasley. That's right. I like to scream and cook. And you were in prison for 10 years, like I mentioned in the last episode. You did You did tell everyone my biggest, deepest secret. Thanks for that. Did, did you finish Winter Loser? I did! Are you going to read my thing? Are you really going to try to approve what I have to say? I can voice my sure. approval for everything. I don't have to sit here and stand by and be like, sure, just do whatever the hell you want. I mean, why don't we just do the Tara episode today? You just do a stream of consciousness. Listen, that is guaranteed to be terrible. Cool. So you can be the diplomatic one and I'll be the one that produces quality content. Speaking of, read my thing. Someone read this thing Adam sent me. Good. Uh, a thing for Tara. There are some continued discussions of order dealings before Harry falls asleep and has a sexy dream about Hagrid and his big cannons. 
The next morning, Harry's first full day back in the magic world begins with chores, and Harry is loving it. No, really, that's not sarcasm this time. They detoxify curtains from a set of doxies, during which Fred and George keep stuffing stunned bugs into their pockets for use in the skiving snack boxes. At one point, Cocaine Baby walks in. Oh wait, that's no Cocaine Baby. It's the naked, delusional, demented, shriveled old scrotum sack house elf creature who says all of his racist thoughts out loud. I didn't know 45 was in this book. (laughs) I didn't write that, ooh, but I like that you added it. Very nice. Speaking of racist, once it's lunchtime, Sirius gives Harry an overview of his family and all the assholes from the past. Namely, that his brother Regulus was a death eater that was ordered to death by cocaine baby. He's related to the little strangers and the Malfoys, and that when he left his house at 16 and was disowned by his bitch of a mother, he went to live with the Potters. Sirius's shitty family sure sounds like so-called patriot. The joy of learning all of this is ripped away from Harry as he's reminded of his hearing, which starts to make him worry. Yet, his worries are abated by cleaning out some cabinets filled with a bunch of fucked up shit. 45 continues to come in and take all the fucked up shit while sobbing. As everyone continues to cleanse the house of dark energy and objects, it seems more and more like everything in the house is alive and cursed. The dread of the hearing comes to a point, though, when Molly reveals the details of tomorrow and indicates that Arthur will be taking him to the hearing, not serious, because Dumbledore says that. Wait, Dumbledore was here? Lovely. They clean the house. They clean the fucking house. Okay, I think we're ready to talk about the movie. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> For real though. Oh, wait, this is happening. Oh, movie. cool. Well, okay, I'll we'll see you next nice time. Short episode. Of- <laughs> so there are some really, really good details and fun things. And oh this is another instance of seeing a lot more about the magical world. In terms of the house and being cleaned and everything and almost cleansed from Sirius's point of view, they're throwing away all these like family heirlooms, all the stuff that his mother like put into this house. It does feel like the house is alive. There's one point where it says the house is fighting back. And to me, that takes like the center stage of this chapter. Well, how they're like waging war against the house. Yeah. Can we talk about the very beginning of the chapter? This book does a great job of like building this camaraderie between not just the trio. Yeah. And obviously we have our, as the fandom calls them, the silver trio being built later on in this book. But Fred and George are very active in this as well. It's very much just like the camaraderie of these teenagers after this. Like, we got to talk about this now, you know? And so like Fred and George be like, mm-hmm, good night. Apparate. Now we back down in this room and we got to talk about it because I'm like picturing the times when like I was a teenager and like sleeping over at Emma's house. Like I used to sleep over at Emma's house on school nights sometimes. There would be nights where Annie and Myra, who are Emma's older twin sisters, who are two years older than her, just like Fred and George are older than Ron. And they would just come in and we would just like all four of us like sitting on a twin size bed gossiping about stuff. It was just a cool like parallel to me. But they got to talk about this. Like, you can't just have all this information and then go to bed. There's a lot to unpack. We have to unpack this. Oh, I wonder what this weapon is. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's this. And this is where Ron is like, oh, here it is when I was saying before. Um, Ron says, but there can't be anything worse than the Avada Kedavra curse, can there? What's worse than death? And George says, maybe it's something that can kill loads of people at once. Yeah. 
Yikes. Yeah. And then Ron, maybe it's some particularly painful way of killing people. The way that they're hashing all that out. I miss Hermione in this moment. Like, I'm yeah. like, honestly, I appreciate that Harry is like, well, he's got the Cruciatus curse. I think that's something Hermione would be like. The, the build here just kind of foreshadows how capable these children are. This is good, too, because it puts a button on this for now. And, yes. like, then we do get into some of the magic stuff. And then we get so stuff. much cleaning and magic. So and- much cleaning. It's all wonderful. The details, everything that has happened in this house to make it so decrepit. There's one point where Sirius comes into the drawing room or wherever, and there's, like, apparently a boggart in this writing desk. And he mm-hmm. says something like, who knows what it could be knowing my mom. So it's like, she lived like this. Yeah. Of course, it's dirtier and stuff, and perhaps the doxies weren't necessarily there. But the whole process of them cleaning things out and everything is still that lovely insight into the magical world that we always tend to see at the beginning of each book. Well, especially because Harry hasn't been around it for so long, and Mm. then, like, he gets to be around it again. And that's why he's loving it. He really is. Fred and George, now, while they do do the doxing, detoxing... (laughs) <laughs> they start grabbing some of those bugs Doxies. and they're putting them in their pockets to why not Listen, that, they got experimenting to do it's a good thing to bring up a what happened at the end of the last book that was has not been touched on that harry gave them all this money to start the joke shop the interesting little tidbit in that they put out an ad so you know their their business is live even though they don't have real estate yet for it and that it works well because Molly refuses to read the Daily Prophet. Right. So it's all those little details that kind of line up. And, I love it. And it adds richness together. to everybody. It, it adds richness to Molly even, you know? So that's very important. And you get to hear a little bit about... Uh, I can't remember what the exact thing is called. But the one that makes you throw up. And then you eat the other half. The and peaking it, pastel. Yeah. Pastel. And then there's the one that's the nosebleed one. Nosebleed nougat. Yeah. She knows. I know. Tara Things. That's all really lovely. While they're cleaning, Creature does come in. He sure fucking does. Mumbling under his breath, trying to steal shit. This motherfucker has dementia. I mean, you learn a story later. Could you blame him? He's been through it. I can't blame someone for having dementia, but right. I can blame him for the things that he's saying. Now then again, he is also a house elf, which is important to keep in mind. He is a product of his superiors. He is a product of his genealogy. Like we saw with Winky, Winky was incredibly loyal to specifically Mrs. Crouch. Yes. And so very similarly, it's Creature and Mrs. Black. When he walks in naked and saying racist shit, I'm like, oh my god, it's like we are in a nursing home. It is, yeah. You're like, wow. Did you really say that out loud? You don't know you said that out loud. Yeah. And the way that the twins at first approach him, and then later the way that Sirius approaches him. Obviously, when we get into what happens next with the whole family tree, Sirius is very much just like, I had already said it, but cleaning house. This is my place now. We are getting everything out of here. Sirius lives in such a place of resentment anytime he's in this house. Yeah. And he even said he didn't think that he would be back in this place. And now this is under such different circumstances. It's very interesting that he has this opportunity, this opportunity that he probably never thought he would have to kind of like... This opportunity that he doesn't want. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily an opportunity he doesn't want, but one that is a little bit painful for him because it probably is a little bit therapeutic as well. Yeah. But you never know. You never know. I don't think we ever get to know Sirius to that level because, well, 
He's going to be dead soon. One other little detail about this is Kingsley coming to the door. Like there's these little interruptions of the doorbell being rung and then Mrs. Black goes off. And then depending on who it is, you know, everybody flocks to see, okay, what is Kingsley saying? Or you hear Molly screaming at Mundungus for bringing oh those cauldrons like, in. Thank God that she's not yelling at us. It I is just like, them. oh my gosh. The feeling I get is this magical chaos. They're trying to clean out this house from all of this dark energy or pests <clears> or whatever is in this house. Some mm-hmm. of it maybe being there forever and just a part of the house because it's a dark house. Or in some cases, just the wear and tear from over the years. But seeing the people come and go and everything, you know, I think at one point they even say they see McGonagall and they see Snape and things like that. And they're like, fuck that guy. There it is. Ding, ding. She did it. She said it. The Quinn thing was about Migga. Yeah. I thought for a second, I thought you were calling Snape Quinn. I was like. No, he, he not. So then finally we get this moment with Sirius and harry which is the real major part of the chapter looking at the family tree harry notices immediately the series is not on there immediately and this is where we because of that get to see a little bit more of his background and that he left it when he was 16 he went and lived with the potters which is extremely telling i think it goes back to what we discussed in the last episode about sirius and harry kind of mirroring the relationship of sirius and and James, yeah, to a degree. There's some of that in there. And then, of course, one of the big names that pops out is Regulus Black, who is going to continue to be someone that we hear about throughout the series. I mean, it's someone that we're not really going to hear about, and then we do. Like, that's the yeah. best part about it. Yeah, it's one of those names that is important to remember. This one also gets lost, I think, sometimes. When it oh comes God, back up, it's... This chapter has it's, so many things. It does. Are you ready for me to go off on Family Tree stuff? Go for it. Okay. I mentioned in the last episode that... On our Patreon, we did talk a little bit about how I'm part of the noble and most ancient house of black. We're not going to get into that here. If you want to know more about that, subscribe to our Patreon. But through that trip that I took where I learned a little bit about that, I learned a little bit about family tree stuff too and what a first cousin once removed is versus a second cousin, things like that. So when you really boil it down, some of the names that are here, there's Phineas Nagellus, who is someone that I think we've already heard about being one of the headmasters of Hogwarts. There's Araminta Mephilua. I'm not reading my handwriting correctly. It's Araminta Mellifluela. And she's the one who was like, we want to hunt muggles. And then Aunt Eladora. And so then it brings up Andromeda being Tonks' mother. (coughs) So there's the little thing of like, wow, you're related to Tonks? And it's like, oh, honey, I'm related to everybody. And he even says like blood wizards, they're all related. Oh, he's related to the Malfoys. So it's interesting because... It's the Weasleys. Yeah. So if Andromeda is Tonks' mother, that means Tonks' aunts are Bellatrix and Narcissa, of course. Which means that Draco is Tonks' first cousin, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. So that means that Tonks is Sirius's first cousin once removed. That's technically what it is. Okay. Because her mother is cousin to Sirius. Yes. So that's the way to think about Sirius's that. Sirius's favorite cousin. Yes. 
Isn't that bizarre? So the interesting thing about this is that, of course, yeah, that means Draco and Ron are related, too, because they're all pure blood in some way. Well, that means that technically... Everybody is related. related. Harry is related to Draco because he marries Ginny. But technically Harry would be related anyway because the Potters are pure bloods. I'm sure somewhere out there there is a full family tree. Oh, I'm sure there is. Because... That's something that is not mentioned here. Well, and obviously on this tapestry, the Potters and the Weasleys are not on there, even though they're related. Maybe blood trainers. So there's these, like houses within the tree you know i even remember seeing at one point i think through pottermore family tree of the potters alone Mm -hmm. because there's more to that i think there was even something to go like serious mentions james's parents so his grandparents and that is something even strange to think about because obviously you don't see them at all in the series at the end of the series to see like this strange family tree how inbred it is too it is really really fascinating after this trip that i did make that i referred to it makes me want to kind of plot that out a little bit more and see truly like how i'm related to these people mm-hmm. because i did discover new second cousins that i had that's why i know what a first cousin once removed is and things like that it's absolutely fascinating to me to see how intertwined all of this is and You know, family is very much a major theme, too, throughout this entire series. And this is where I think a lot of it comes to light to see how much things are connected. Beyond this, you know, Harry obviously remembers the Lestranges from his dive into the stone basin in the last book. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my little segue about families and stuff. I love it. I really do want to, like, look up, like, family trees now and see how they all coincide. After this, they go back to cleaning. They're cleaning out the cabinets and everything. There's a whole bunch of shit. Can I talk about the whole bunch of shit they found? You sure can. Okay, so here is a thing that no one fucking noticed There's the locket. Yes, but I want to read the paragraph. Okay, good. Is it the same locket? It is. It is the same locket. It is. So it is in the middle of a giant-ass paragraph talking about all the shit that they're cleaning out. They found an unpleasant-looking silver instrument, something like a many-legged pair of tweezers, which scuttled up Harry's arm like a spider when he picked it up and attempted to puncture his skin. There was a musical box that emitted a faintly sinister, tinkling tune when wound, and they all found themselves becoming curiously weak and sleepy until Ginny had the sense to slam the lid shut. Also, a heavy locket that none of them could open. A number of ancient seals and, in a dusty box, an order of Merlin First Class that had been awarded to Sirius's grandfather for services to the ministry. It's literally the least thought-out section of that paragraph. Mm. In the middle of their like, oh, this. There's a locket that nobody can open. Wow. The world building with that, like the plot building. Yeah. Walk me through then. And like, of course, we'll get into this in the next few books. But how does that go from the black house to that basin? Not not the stone basin, but the basin surrounded by mummies in the water. Okay. Here we go with a... Fuck ton of plot tearing down. This here. is this is bound to happen multiple so, times. We're, and here's we're the thing in is the thick of it. They this time. don't do a good job with any of this in the movie because we don't get Regulus' story, we don't get Creature's story. This is a thing that is super important. So this locket is not the locket in the basin. That's right. So the story of the locket is if you know Creature's story, Regulus came to Creature because Voldemort needed a house elf to carry out his need of putting his horcrux in the basin. 
Well, Creature went ahead and did that. So you learn that Regulus is the reason why Creature survives the cave. Creature tells Regulus all about the Horcruxes, all about the caves. Regulus went and he swaps the lockets and he somehow gets the locket back to Creature. So the locket that is in the house at the start of this book in chapter six is the Horcrux. The locket that is in the basin that we see at the end of book six is a fake fake that Regulus swaps. So how does Umbridge get this? So fast forward to the sixth book when Harry is now the owner of number 13 Grimmauld Place. 12. 12, whatever we are. We already talked about that. I know. Listen, I've had some wine. And he like gets in Mundungus's face about selling Sirius's shit. This is something that Mundungus steals from the house and sells to Umbridge. Because you notice they say they can't open, not that they can't remove it. Like, you know, that's the other thing is that there's all of this like permanent sticking charm and all of this other stuff that makes it feel like it's going to be stuck in the house. Well, it's one of the things that Creature took because it was Regulus's locket and Creature was supposed to keep it safe. Regulus never got a chance to explain to him what that was about. So Creature had that locket and then when Mundungus broke in because, well, he was technically a secret keeper too as part of the order, he took that and he sold it. I'm so interested to see more about the ring because that's the other Horcrux that is going to be coming up. Obviously, two of the Horcruxes, I mean, Nagini and Harry, we learned so much about. I mean, Harry especially. So there's those two. The diary is already destroyed. And so here we are, the fourth main Horcrux that we're learning about. We're not learning about it, it's just mentioned. It does not come up again until the sixth book. And not in a present tense, because it's something that Hepzibah Smith has. Mm -hmm. We know from looking at those memories that Dumbledore or shows Harry that was something that Voldemort stole from her after he kills her. Yeah. He takes that and he takes Hufflepuff's cup. Those are the two things that have supposed to Okay. So that's good to know because what I was going to say then is the two outliers because the ring I know we're going to learn more about. The cup and the diadem then but you had already mentioned the cup so it'll be interesting to see how the diadem plays into all of this too. The diadem is the one we learned the truth the, about last. Yeah and like the least amount I think too. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that we're this early and we're already talking about Horcrux but well, I'm because so we glad. don't know about Horcruxes here. Mm-hmm. If you don't count Harry, because Harry is not an intentional Horcrux, the number of Horcruxes we've come across is three. With this being the third. And the, the diary is the only one that's really gotten any kind of like closure with. This one is thrown in there. It's the least in your face. And there's no reason for Harry to make that correlation between this random locket and the gross-ass house we clean it out. I know that a lot of people don't like the fifth and sixth books. This and is where the details the are, though, The series man. thrives on the details in these middle books. Yeah. To close things out, of course, they are cleaning out these cabinets, and it's important to bring that up, and Creature, of course, is coming in to, to grab stuff as well. They do have a little stint where they go into, like, a dining room, and there's, like, spiders and shit. Ron disappears because he's like, I gotta have some tea. Yeah, peace out. I can't deal with these. The one thing I did notice, because this is where Snape and McGonagall, then, are mentioned near the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. At the bottom of 117 in my version, which was the hard copy, there was a reference to Snape. Like, Snape would be disappointed. I, I'm sorry, I don't have my that's book okay, with That's okay, that's okay. I have my book but right like, here, so it, I'll Look it I up. almost thought it meant serious. Are we talking about how Snape might refer to their work as cleaning, but in Harry's opinion, they were really waging war on the house? Yes. Okay, so it's also page 117. Yeah, so I feel like that is Which a typo. Is, I don't think it is, because Sirius is not thinking of any of this. He doesn't give a shit. 
But you know, Snape is giving Sirius shit all the time. I think Sirius or Snape are probably in this like tiff where Snape is like, oh, we, well, all you're fucking doing is cleaning. No, I don't know that it is or isn't. Okay, maybe. I see both ways. Because I also see what you're saying. I don't know that Sirius would call this cleaning. I think Sirius would be with Harry Purging. on the waging war on this house. Yeah, it seemed very out of place. In fact, the next thing I say is like the whole raging war against the house. And it feels like it's like cleansing nature for Sirius. And I mean, if Sirius is the only one left, he's free to do whatever he wants to this house. And then, of course, the big thing at the very, very end, and this is something that comes up when they're cleaning out those cabinets, too, is that the big thing that has been put on the back burner is Harry's hearing. So he's kind of reminded of that, but when he's focusing on cleaning all this stuff out, it kind of goes away. And then even when they're at the tapestry, Sirius says something like, I'd love to go in my dog form with you. Right. And then, of course, (laughs) even when I'm reading that, I'm like, there's no way that you're going to be able to do that. (laughs) It's like the thing that's like lingering there through the whole chapter that Harry's like, but I can focus on this instead. Mm. And then when he's talking to Sirius, he's like, well, if they expel me, can I come live here? It's kind of sad. Obviously, he doesn't want Harry to be expelled, but he also is very lonely. Also, the little thing about when they say, well, Dumbledore says it's not a good idea for Sirius to go. And Harry's like, when the fuck was Dumbledore here? Yeah. And Dumbledore just kind of coming in like a thief in the night. It's like a dinner time when Molly says that you'll be going with Arthur, which do I agree that's the right thing? Yes. But at this point, and you know, I tread the line on shitting on Dumbledore because I do think that he's under an immense amount of pressure here. But this would have been a good time for him to just take, you know, five minutes and be like, how's Harry? Can I speak to him really quick? I mean, but he doesn't. And Which that's is unfortunate. Really the concern. And I'm never going to defend Dumbledore. I think he is very morally corrupt. But also at the same time, he's just trying to recompense the mistakes he's made. And he's just trying to figure it out. And he's doing it wrong. I think that his intentions are all for the best. He's doing it way wrong. I think it's good to acknowledge that his intentions are in the right place. From the get-go, we established Dumbledore as this, like, loopy dude. He's not the most organized. He knows so much on terms of, like, what needs to happen, but I don't think he completely goes through and thinks of what the best steps would be from an empathetic standpoint. So I think it's important to bring that up in that, like, hey, if we're going to, in the future, keep calling him out on his bullshit, it's good to have that overarching understanding of his POV, but also understanding that, hey, there's something with Dumbledore where he is corrupt in certain ways, you know? Like Snape, I think we see so much more of his cards. I think in a way he's more vulnerable, which is interesting because I would not have thought that. But Dumbledore, I think, is always painted in mostly a positive light. And we're starting to see now that there are some shortcomings, which is sort of refreshing. Nobody's perfect unless you're, you know, Molly. Or McGonagall. Yeah, or Pomfrey. But I think it is important to see, like, you know, here's this immense, immensely powerful wizard, very well respected. He's one of the good guys, but let's take a step back and look at how he's approaching things and how things aren't always done the right way. It's going to be like the end of every book. That well, it's going to feel like the end of every book where we go, let's touch base with what Dumbledore is up to. The end of two books, always. Right. I'm really excited about this game. Because... Is it new? It is new. Ooh! Really excited about this game because you love the family tree. We're going to have a quiz. Oh my god! Why didn't we never think of this as a game? 
Because oh, this is a perfect fucking game. I didn't think of this as a game. Why didn't you bring it up, baby? I could have put it on my list. We're going to do trivias in the future. Right. So listen. Who are you texting? No, I was going to get out my stopwatch. Oh, this is a timed? So I'm going to time it. I'm not going to like give you a small amount of time, but I am going to give you a small amount of time. Oh, Maybe. thank you. I'm not going to give you 30 seconds. I am going to give you a minute. Okay. And so I'm going to start my timer after I read the first question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Question number one. Other than Sirius, name three people who have been burned off the family tapestry. Andromeda, Regulus, and Tonks. How many years ago did Regulus die? What the fuck? I wasn't supposed... I didn't know I need to spend this much time. <laughs> 10. <laughs> 15. How old is Harry? 15. 15. Okay. Who is Alfred? A. Oh, this one is multiple choice? Yes. I finally get multiple choice. I can't get multiple choice. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So, A. He is an uncle who gets serious money. B. He was married to Aunt Elidora. Or C. He created the family tapestry. A. This is the last question. Who was Elidora? Ooh. She was married to Rodolphus Lestrange's little brother. She wanted to make hunting muggles legal. Or C. She started the tradition... Of well, I guess we me. house elves. That one. All right. So you made it through that. What was your answer for? God damn Alfred? it! Your fucking thing. That sounds like a smoke alarm. <laughs> is that how you wake up in the morning? <laughs> no, it fucking is not. Alfred was the one who gave him money. Yes. So you got everything right. Of course I did. Three people burned off the family. Yeah, I knew that when I fucked up. Regulus was not burned off the family. Yeah, I was. I was like, wait a minute. Was he burned off because he got murdered? By Uncle Voldemort? Alfred was. Oh, yeah, yeah. That Why everybody funny. in this fucking family is begin with A? Also, they are obsessed with terrible things. We like, no we shit. Like, we like to be ahead of ourselves. We want to make muggle hunting legal. Y'all are fucking psycho. I bet they're all anti-vaxxers, too. Probably. That was fun. That was a very good game. I'm definitely going to use that at some point in the future. But I'm not going to time you and use a smoke alarm to cut me off. I just, well, I didn't want, I wanted you to like do it with haste. And I was like, a minute's good. (laughs) With haste. Uh, What are you, a Victorian housemaid? No. I mean, look at you. You're totally a Victorian housemaid. So this movie. This chapter wasn't in that movie. We do see Creature once. We do see Creature. He ain't naked. Right. We do see the tapestry (laughs) later on in the film. What do you think a house elf's dick looks like? I do not want to have this conversation. What are your points? Hold on. Wait, (laughs) we're not done with the movie. Okay, well, I'm done with the Creature's dick. That's for sure. Like, it would have been nice to at least have cleaning the fucking curtains I would have liked to see that, Even as, like, a cut scene or something. That would have been fun to give a little bit more color to the house. Yeah, I wanted more of the house. Yeah, and like you said, they do have this, like, scene thing later on. There is there for Christmas that we get the tapestry moment. That's what it is. It's not like it is in the book. How fascinating would it have been if the cleaning moment wasn't necessarily the doxies, but it was cleaning out the cabinets and they do come across the locket? That would have been very interesting for the movie. So I'm trying to remember this movie. Hold on. So this movie was released the same year that the final book came out. 
So they wouldn't have even known or realized that that's what that was. Well, that's stupid. I know. It's very disappointing. Would they have just done what they did with the fourth movie and just made it obvious as fuck that this is important? Like, oh, look, there's David Tennant. I mean, Barty Crouch Jr. Oh, yes. Look at this locket. Oh, I can't open it. I wonder if this will have any importance in the future. Right? You just see everyone trying to open a locket and you're like, why the fuck did they do that? And then fast forward to the end of the series. Oh. That's I wonder how, listen, after the Force movie, I know they're different directors, but like after the Force movie, I'd be like, I don't trust anyone to do this shit subtly. Nothing is subtle in these movies. Yeah, that's true. So, who knows? I mean, it's not an important chapter since we do see the family tree stuff later, I guess. But the movie could have given us something. It would have been nice to see like the Doxy thing and have like a little precursor to Fred and George's joke shop. Let's right? say that. Give those fuckers some more time on screen. Yeah, but if, I mean, if they're gonna rearrange some things and cut a chapter, okay, I guess I get it. Plus 20 to Sirius. Because we learn so much more about his backstory. We learn about how he got kind of disowned from his racist mama. It's really, really good to see this other side of Sirius. I think prior to this book, Sirius has definitely come off as a little bit unwieldy. But all of this is important information for this pivotal character, especially because he dies at the end of this book. Plus 10 to Molly, Fred, and George, because Molly is cleaner. She's cleaning the house. She is cleaning the house. And friend George are entrepreneurs. Negative 10 to Regulus and Mrs. Black, because one of them is a Death Eater and the other one is racist. I'm proud of her Death Eater son. Negative 15 to Creature. Even if some of this is integral and everything, and he's a very important character. Oh, he's being racist as fuck. And, like, I totally support walking around your own damn house naked. But you are awkward. It makes me uncomfortable. So negative 15 to Creature. And finally... We didn't really mention this, but negative five to Lockshart because his book is mentioned. Fuck that guy. Next time we have two special guests. Yes, next time we will not be talking about a chapter from this book. Rather, we will be revisiting the first four movies movies of the series with our friends Peggy and Stephanie. Yeah. Neither of whom are book readers. No. Only movie watchers. That's right. So we're going to play some fun games with them um, and uh, discuss the movies. She's looking at me and I see in her eyes, she's like, what the fuck are we actually going to do? Oh, I have some ideas. Don't worry. Good, because I don't. So write those ideas down, baby. I think I wrote down a couple, like, fun questions to ask okay, them. Okay, but I'm in, I'm in. This is our very first special episode. Well, it's not our first special. We did the 100th episode. We have Cutting Room Floor. We have but our Christmas episode. And then we had our Puffs, Puffs. Otherwise. This is our first shot at this. So, like, as a reminder, we have now gotten further. Tell us through. what ideas you want us to No. Yes. We, we already got ideas through the rest of this season. I don't care. We need ideas for always. We'll come up with more. If you send us an idea, it might not show up until, well, it definitely won't show up until season six. Maybe it won't show up at all. We'll see. Wow. Thanks for supporting us. Thanks for supporting us, but we get to determine the content of our podcast. Send us what you think. Sure. The only person who has emailed us is Allie. Shout out to Allie. I remember you. Thank you for what you did. And in fact, some of her ideas are on my list. Abby? Abby. Abby. Oh, honey, Abby. <laughs> we have drunk several bottles of wine. Two. I, I have had wine. Does two? I, can two Abby. be several? Can two be several? I, two can be several. We've okay. drunk several bottles of wine. Abby. Abby. Your name is Abby. Sorry, Apologies. Abby. 
She did send us ideas, and I have them on my list right now in front of my face. Ooh. Ooh. So, yes, this is our first special episode of one, two, three, four, five, six. We are going to have six special episodes every six chapters. And we do finally also have all of our guests lined up hopefully like tara said earlier hopefully none of them cancel a few familiar faces um after voices familiar voices sure their faces are going to be on the site too so they're not disembodied voices either what if we were just talking to like spirits all of our special guests are spirits they're going to be filled with spirits like brian and ashley perhaps dan who has also been on the podcast before in our puffs episode but also a bunch of really really exciting new folks people that we work with on other podcasts perhaps both tara and i people that we've worked with on other projects before so on and so forth so it'll be really exciting it'll definitely be a new venture for us i guess in terms of how we do this podcast so yeah we look forward to it. Um, and then after that, we're going to read the next chapter. What's, yeah, what's so the next, the next chapter is, um, let me just look at this. Chapter seven, the Ministry of Magic. Yeah. Oh, well look at done. that. Look at that. So proud. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Support us on Patreon. Please. And no, thank we'll you for our current five patrons. Yes, we love you, which you might have more by the time. We may have more, so even if we haven't so if called this, you out. So this conflicts with whatever Adam adds to the episode, that's what, yeah. You know what, this is a good time to mention. On. Every time we do get a new patron, I do message you directly and say, hey, this is when we're going to start calling you out. So because we are preparing these episodes in advance, obviously immediately once you sign up, we won't be having you uh, announced right then because those episodes are already done. But yes, I will always let you know when we're going to start acknowledging you on on the podcast. And Tara and I are already talking about some other new ways to thank our patrons and perhaps giving even some of you another way to support us. But more on that in the future. Yes. That's a prophecy, maybe. Oh, I'm not good at prophecies. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm the divination bitch. You're the potato bitch. Still just a potato bitch. That's right. And good night. Farewell. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Gorkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!